station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Sunday Live on 91.3 FM stereo. Sunday Live. Well, 42 after 7, my name is Mohammed Sheikh. Good to be in your company. A message coming through, Eid on the 22nd. Apologies, apologies on the 21st. I just calculated my bearings incorrectly there. So, Eid, inshallah, the 10th of Zilhijjah, corresponding to the 21st of July 2021. If you need to set up your leave days and uh, and factor that in, by all means, now is the time to, to, to go through it. Well, um, messages streaming through. Keep it rolling, 0829-913-913 via WhatsApp, 47913. SMS. Well, the Delta variant has been one of the primary reasons behind the president pushing the country to level for lockdown. Uh, with the Gauteng provinces riddled with cases, the question arises as to how does the Western Cape fare uh, as of late and what can South Africans expect moving forward uh, following uh, perhaps today's announcement later on. Uh, should the lockdown be extended, increased or lessened? Joining us online is Professor Hassan Muhammad, Public Health Medicine Specialist, uh, unpacking this discussion. Prof, salam alaikum and good morning to you. Alaikum salam and uh, you know, greetings to you and uh, all the listeners. Uh, shukran so much. Always love having you uh, share your expert advice to all of us. So looking at uh, the Delta variant, Western Cape, uh, among other provinces, being a victim to it and uh, analysts saying that we're currently peaking at the moment. How have we been affected by it? Yeah, so what has happened over the last few weeks is that the Delta variant has become the most common strain detected um, amongst the samples that are being tested for the strain. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we don't test every single case, Mm -hmm. um, but we do test a sample of them and we're finding that the Delta variant has become the most common. Sure. Now, when we say being most common, you know, testing a portion, a sample of them, does that mean that uh, there's still a high rate of infectivity by the other variants in the, you know, the less common, less common presentation these days? Look, um, I think what happens is that, you know, when a new variant comes along, Mm -hmm. uh, it tends to take over and be the main one that gets spread amongst people. So I think, you know, in any situation, you never have the, you know, 100% presence of just one strain. Usually there are more than other strains. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I say that the Delta variant has become um, dominant, it is then by far the majority of specimens that are tested that do have this variant. Um, but we do have a few cases of some of the other variants that are around. Mm, wonderful. Now, just comparatively, people people are rejoicing at the fact that uh, although it's not supposed to be a competitive uh, competitive you know situation where we're competing between other provinces, but Western Cape has been less affected or at least later affected than Gauteng. And what can this be attributed to? Look, and I think one must be extremely careful about how one interprets um, the data that's available. Mm -hmm. I think, as you've said correctly, it's more that we um, are affected later Mm -hmm. than Gauteng. So this does seem to be the trend where, in any way, it takes off in one or other province and then 
step-by-step or gradually spreads to other provinces. So in South Africa, it started off in northern, the Northern Cape, the Free State, Northwest, and Gauteng were the main provinces. In fact, mainly the, the so-called inland provinces that were affected. And Gauteng is now virtually at its peak, and the Western Cape and uh, KwaZulu-Natal, Eastern Cape have only started later. And this is a lot of, of this has to do with migration and travel and how this variant spreads from one area um, to the other, why one province starts before another province. So we have started later. We're still very much in the upward phase of our curve mm-hmm. and it's certainly premature for us to be saying we are less affected uh, and one also has to look at the size of the population Gauteng has a much bigger population compared to um, the Western Cape and so even if we have slightly lower numbers as we've had um, if one looks at it in relation to population mm-hmm. we are have previously been on par with counting and sometimes slightly ahead of it. Sure. Now, j- just out of curiosity, there, there, there's been um, the, the term you know released in lots of media structures about ramping up resources and capacity. And um, uh, the, the Western Cape within the public health care system, are, are we ramping up? Absolutely. No, we yeah. absolutely have to. Um, but, you know, we've been planning towards this for months mm-hmm. and uh, we've always kept spare capacity uh, on hand. There's a facility um, in the, the Tigerberg area called Brackengate mm-hmm. that we've kept open all along. It's a uh, type of field, as field hospital capacity. And uh, from the second wave to the third wave, that hospital has been kept open. They've always been staff available there. And although they've had fewer numbers to admit, they, they come into their own now in a situation like this where there's a third wave where uh, very much or uh, very many more people are being admitted as with this overflow facility. And in addition, at the Mutual Splain, there's the Lentegeer uh, Hospital of Hope mm-hmm. has also been, which was, was utilized in the second wave, is also now opened up and uh, is able to take on capacity. So... We increase capacity within the system, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, what we also do is we unfortunately have to reduce some of our other activities. So routine surgery um, is often uh, sadly affected by surgery that's planned that can be done you know, on a scheduled basis <clears throat> is shifted to a later date so that we retain capacity within the hospital system. Mm-hmm. So we, we have planned for it. We do have capacity. Um, we look at our staffing needs. We look at our oxygen supply. All those factors are planned for well in advance. And we, um, as we're now increasing the wave, uh, as our hospitals are, are seeing more pressure from covid Mm-hmm. Um, hospitalizations, mm-hmm. they are able to meet that need mm-hmm. um, and hopefully cope with it um, up to the point that we reach our peak. Sure. Prof, just out of curiosity, there's a message coming through that wasn't uh, initially sitting in my mind, but here it goes um, to this effect that uh, in terms of the vaccination and keeping up with it, and, and we know that, uh, you know, from previous discussions that this might be a yearly type of thing where 
you know, you might need to get vaccinated against COVID depending on the variant in a year, on a year-to-year basis. But the question mm-hmm. says that are the current vaccinations um, uh, able to include the most recent type of variant or are we relying on the effectivity just primarily for other variants? So that's an excellent question. Um, but fortunately, the answer to that is yes. So the, the vaccines that are being used in South Africa, mm-hmm. the Pfizer vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have been evaluated against this new variant and both have been shown to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so they retain the effectiveness. What happens is that there's a slightly reduced or lower effectiveness with these new variants, but they are still sufficiently protective for them to be used on a wide scale. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, your the person who raised the question uh, is right in the sense that we need to continually um, evaluate each of these variants and to check that our vaccines are effective against them mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. But fortunately for now, we are safe and the vaccines we are using will protect people and, of course, we need to encourage people to get vaccinated. Absolutely. Prof, the, the, the two things overarching combating the COVID-19 pandemic, one of them more disastrous in terms of economic consequences is the, the varied attempts at the lockdown situation. And the second, obviously, is the vaccination program, which I think uh, uh, has been ramping up its game in the last few weeks or so. But in terms of in terms of the lockdown, in terms of the economic impact, etc., um, can we really afford it, looking at all different perspectives and putting that into the equation? I mean, here we, we, we're balancing lives in terms of a risk analysis ratio versus, um, you know, the, 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 the benefit of saving lives versus the risk of the economic dampening. But where are we drawing the line here? Yeah, this is an extremely difficult situation and extremely difficult, you know, for the president, uh, president to to deal with. Mm-hmm. He hears from people like myself, who's a public health expert, and others in the public health field who push for lockdown restrictions to limit spread, mm-hmm. to limit the impact on the health system. But at the same time, he's being lobbied by the hospitality industry and other industries that have really suffered over the last period. And he sort of listened to all these views and decide how best to move forward. Mm-hmm. I think one suggestion I would have for him is to have perhaps a more regional approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, places like the Northern Cape or the Free State seem to be past the peak of the curves mm-hmm. and uh, may uh, it may be use. Uh, maybe okay for them to go to a lower level of restrictions, but mm-hmm. in the Western Cape, where we are seeing a surge in cases, I, I would feel strongly that he should continue with the lockdown for at least you know another two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's preferable in our area, but it may help him if he tries to apply a more regional approach to um, how to apply lockdown strategies. Um, but you're absolutely right. We do need to be concerned about those people who are not able to work, um, sustaining our economy. We need to take all those factors into account, and the president will have to do that mm-hmm. when he makes this decision tonight or announces his, uh, what the next two weeks um, hold for us.
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, Prof, you know, there's there's lots of speculation about what's going to come for that. And I think the provincial, uh, looking at it from a geog- geographical perspective, makes so much more sense in terms of restrictions and ease. And if I recall correctly, at some point initially, you know, Gauteng was at a certain level, Western Cape was at a certain level. I think now it's just going into, into that. There's another one talking about... Uh, um, or another talking point with regards to political lobbying for SAPRA to approve, um, you know, other vaccines like the Sinopharm from China. Um, mm. uh, it, the, the political lobbying that has pushed SAPRA into either, let's say, uh, you know, processing data quicker, more efficiently for ivermectin or for the Sinopharm in general. I mean, uh, are we allowing that type of that type of inverted commas bullying? I think certainly we should not. We should follow the science, we should follow the data, the evidence that there is for vaccines or treatments of any kind before um, we approve any of these vaccines or treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Sinopharm vaccine has been approved, um, but it is under certain conditions. More data is awaited, and one of the issues would be, is this vaccine effective against the variants that are operating here? This Mm -hmm. is a key question for South Africa, and it should not be uh, led by... Um, by political considerations or political pressure. And we certainly should be protecting SAPRA from that. And I think we need to understand that our regulatory authority draws on experts from around the country, from specialists working in our hospitals who are taking care of the patients, mm-hmm. you know, who are suffering from COVID. So they take input. They're not simply, you know, a group of government officials with a political mandate. Mm-hmm. They do draw on the scientific experts you know, from around the country and we should protect their role and we should protect their independence and, and, you know, I think that's something we should all feel quite strongly about. Absolutely. Prof, shukran so much for an update and for touching base with us again. Uh, Hopefully we chat to you again soon, inshallah. All the best and, and keep the good work going. Thanks so much. Salam to you and to the listeners and thanks for this opportunity to talk, to talk to all of you. Only a pleasure, Professor Hassan Mohammed, Professor uh, Public Health Medicine Specialist uh, at the University of uh, Stellenbosch and yes, giving us his insight. And I'm sure you can hear the, the, the voice of concern and the voice of reason. It's a, it's a very difficult space to navigate, lovely people. I think um, we need to ensure that, you know, besides the vaccination, we need to, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. At what point do we ease lockdown restrictions for economic activity to continue versus how do we save lives? And for me, the cornerstone right now is let's try and strike a balance, get the life saving in process and slowly ease into lockdown as quick as possible away from the lockdown rather.